sauces and ETs in government conspiracies. But I've seen none of the above. If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles. Lose my little mind. Hello, and welcome to X Files Talk X Files, the only podcast that manages to drop X Files quotes into everyday conversation. Just as often as Walter Skinner drops colourful metaphors. <laughs> I'm your host, David Harwood, and joining me tonight from XFilesNews.com, I have Jessa Schlitt and Royley Olson. Hello, Hello, both of you. I hope you brought the science. I think you we know. always try and bring the science. <laughs> so tonight, uh, we are going to be talking about... Um, an early season three two-part mythology uh, mythology story. We're doing Nisei and Seven Three One. Before we get into the episode discussion tonight, I just want to uh, have a quick chat with the listeners out there and just say, uh, please, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you go to our iTunes page and leave a review because that can really help us get found by other people who are interested in the show. Um, also, if you are enjoying the show and if you're thinking of buying something off Amazon sometime soon, you've got the summer coming up, who knows what it is you want to buy, but please go to xfilesalkxfiles.com, click on the Amazon affiliate link, and that will take you through to Amazon to do your shopping, just as normal. Nothing will cost you anything extra, but a little bit of the money that you spend will come back to help support the show and uh, help cover our costs for us. So thank you for doing that. Um, okay, so we have Nisei and 731, two-part of story here. Um, the origin of this episode was an idea by Frank Spotnitz, um, but the script came back. Uh, would take too much time, would cost too much money, so Chris Carter said, okay, let's make it a two-parter. Um, so Jessa, Riley, I'm going to let you two jump in and start this conversation off. Well, obviously, these are some like pretty like hard hitting mythology that they clearly put you know a lot of time and money into because they exploded a train car. <laughs> um, I just I love picturing like Chris Carter going to Fox and being like, "We're gonna need several moving trains during this episode <laughs> because I feel like there's an executive who is like, "Oh God, not again." Um, <laughs> but yeah. you know. Some really good mythology, um, kind of like the old school stuff. You're slowly getting into like the middle of the mythology. Um, it's kind of almost like the big, well, it's kind of the unofficial beginning of the cancer arc because you meet those MUFON members that become like really important in Memento Mori when it like, you know, it really kicks off. Um, so it's important kind of for the longer run. And, you know, they certainly introduce the fact that Skelly could end up sick and they obviously decide to go down that route which led to amazing television but we're not there yet <laughs> uh spoilers Roy. jeez spoiler i'm sorry guys but yeah um also um i really like that it also kind of sort of tied in with um the whole anasazi paperclip um blessing way because it kind of knocked back to um, real history involving World War Two, and kind of the atrocities that happened. And, you know, um, before it was like um, Klemper and the Nazis getting off and fleeing to Argentina. And this is uh, instead of the Japanese and um, something they did during World War Two. So 
I just thought that was interesting to tie back to that as well. Yeah, we're slowly moving through American history. We've, you know, we've got World War Two in season three, and then season four we start going up to the Cold War, and Russia becomes involved. Plus, um, the Doctor um, Shirazama um, or Ishimaru. I think the two names he goes by are like a combination of. Um, the real name of the doctor that headed the actual like 731 unit Um, so they did their research or they had like an intern do their research and then present them Shiro Ishii so um, they certainly knew what they were talking about and obviously there's some like really horrendous horrible stuff that happened and when you kind of look at it through like the alien human hybrid you don't get like as good of you know, it's kind of like separate, it's like science fiction, but when you kind of relate it to what was going on um, during World War II and all the experiments, you know, it kind of brings home that, how horrible it is, you know, what this doctor was doing to these people at like the Hansen's Disease Research Facility. Um, And certainly you get to see some pretty disturbing scenes with the military and what they do to the people. So generally disturbing, which is, you know, one of the key points for next month's episode. (laughs) It's it's kind of jarring in retrospect how big of an element the whole human alien hybrid is in these two episodes because that's something that you know doesn't yeah okay it's been touched on in Erlenmeyer Flask at the end of season one but you know once we get the black oil coming in later on in season three um, that becomes more of a dominant story strand in the in the mythology. Um, and yet, it's the, the the hybrid stuff is what we tend to go back to then with Patient X and with Two Fathers. Yeah. And it, um, it's weird how how prolific it is in these two early episodes when it's not really something which is front of mind for the next couple of seasons. Yeah. Plus, the Japanese may have done it with, you know, what was in that train car. But um, when we go to, like, you know, Cassandra Spender, she becomes, like, the first, like, legitimate one. Spoiler alert, again, <laughs> if you're not watching. Uh, I ruin it for everyone. But it, it certainly is, you know, great to kind of start getting a look at what they've been doing all this time. And you see, like, the Japanese side of it, but then you come to see more of, like, the U.S. side of what they're doing later on. So lots to learn. It's kind of tricky to keep track of, you know, who's on what side because you have different nationalities involved in the conspiracy and some are working together and you know as we we learned in season four Russia is off on their own doing their own thing but throughout the course of the first several seasons of X-Files and of course the movie we know that we've got Britain is involved with the American conspiracy we know that Germany is involved Um, obviously Japan is involved Um, you know and who's to say, like, I mean, I'm sure there's more collaboration than we know. And then as, you know, I mean, we're not like at war with Russia and we collaborate on things, but I'm sure like our two governments are doing like hella crazy stuff behind the scenes to like compete and like spy on each other. So I think there's always, you know, they're probably all part of like this global conspiracy, but they're all looking out for their own best interests as much as they can too. So it's to be expected. So these are the uh, first episodes that introduce the whole Betsy Hagopia and Mufon. Yeah, uh, we never really meet Betsy Hagopia. We just, like, see her. Yeah. <laughs> is this the only episode that she appears in? 
I, I think she's died by the time you know, okay. Memento Mori rolls around, and it's uh, Penny Northern. That's when Penny person. is the big person there. Um, but yeah, this is obviously where we have the microchip in Scully's neck becomes a big deal. You know, we had the microchip in Dwayne Barry that she scans through the checkout, and all that data goes <laughs> goes through, and the machine goes crazy. But this is the first episode now where we're sort of going down that yeah. tangent of um, what is this thing that was in her neck, and of course that gives us the uh, the happy byproduct of introducing Agent Pendrel to the mix. Aww, I Aww. love Agent Pendrel. He's such a good guy. We never know his first name, just like Scully. <laughs> Until like, after his, yep. Do we learn it after he dies, or is no, that, it's not actually in um, the show? No, he. I think it was like on the trading cards at some point. He was misidentified as that as Danny. You know, Mulder talks about Danny. I think he mentions it in Irresistible. He like yeah. promises him like tickets to something if he looks up X, Y, or Z for Mulder. Um, but you, there's references to Danny later on as well, and you know, Pendrel wouldn't like refuse to do Mulder like some type of favor like that if only to like get closer to Skelly <laughs> um, but he's such a good guy gotta love Adrian Pendrel yeah according to the X-Files wiki his first name was Sean no Sean never Sean? never really? identified his name like it's I... been thrown out there yeah I, I the only re- the only place <laughs> I could imagine that it could have come up would have been in Max but all I can remember from that is that Scully's saying I never even knew his first name. So I think he's like never been officially properly identified. Yeah. But the whole Danny thing is interesting because I think that I still think that Danny is kind of like a nod to Twin Peaks where you had Agent Cooper would always have his um, dictaphone there and he'd Diane. always be talking to Diane, exactly. <laughs> I hope we get to meet Diane in the new Twin Peaks because it was like make my like tw- two decades since. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently, um, Danny. Okay, so there's, there's some controversy around the whole Danny thing. Is that there's an early episode which I think is Conduit where Mulder is faxing something to Danny Bernstein. But Chris okay. Carter has said that um, that is not who Danny is, that Danny's last name is Valedo. And so presumably <laughs> that's the Danny that he talks to through <laughs> Earl and Meyer Flask onwards. I think they're just never going to tell us, just like the gifts and like how the ghost stole Christmas. We'll just never clear that up at all. Although Jessa solved the mystery with Gillian Anderson once. So. It'd be kind of neat if they had a, at some point in the <laughs> revival, Mulder just called Danny and sorted out something and uh, and then then you have that chuck guy who just pops up in season one and then whoops there he is in season four and season seven yeah he's kind of random yeah (laughs) i wonder how they decided like which minor characters to use like you know they sit down and like let's bring back this one random guy he tells good stories like i don't know (laughs) Why they? Because they they have plenty of other minor characters that they never revisit, and then there's a couple that they're like, yeah, let's just bring this back four years later and see what happens. Well, on that note, um, this episode, these episodes also have Senator Matheson in them. Yes. Who yeah. is in a total of three episodes: Little Green Men, very beginning of season two; Nisei in season three; 
and then oh yes he pops up in SR 819 in season <laughs> 6 I feel like wow. after he like ditched Scully like when she tried to like contact him I feel like he purposely like separated himself from whatever was going on at least at that point um, and they were like, let's, let's, we don't have ideas for this week. Let's bring him back. <laughs> I don't know, but he just totally falls away. And Mulder goes on to like better sources. He was never really that great of a source kind of to begin with. But in the pilot, I guess he's the reference when Mulder says like he's made like contacts and friends that are helping keep his work alive, like, you know, in the Capitol. I guess he's probably that contact. Well, and to be fair to that actor as well, I mean, his scene is immediately followed by the awesome scene where where Skinner is dropping those metaphors like there's no tomorrow that uh, <laughs> whatever's been tracked into his office he doesn't like the smell of it and, uh, <laughs> I hope you have some other names in your address book because I'm taking myself off the hook on this one I mean come on <gasps> I, people, are I just, love Skinner. people are just reading from those lines you know they, they don't care yeah. what happens after that <laughs> Although I, I do feel that um, that Morgan and Wong gave him some pretty good lines as well back in season two. And yeah, it's it's nice to see the rest of the writing staff, you know, mm. picking up that baton and running with it in terms of Skinner's uh, vocabulary. <laughs> Skinner gets better vocab later on, especially you know in season eight, he becomes like pretty awesome. So. I mean, he's, it, there becomes a point when, like, the tide really turns for Skinner and you're really, like, fully, like, on his side. Um, and certainly by that point, you know, he was there for them and especially for Scully. So it's just, you know, he was going through a rough time during his life at this point. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I think by zero sum, it's pretty clear what side he's on. Yeah, we forgive him for the metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such great kind of, you know, almost kind of eighties actiony kind of quips, you know. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like Mitch like thoroughly enjoyed delivering them though. <laughs> <laughs> how could how could you not? Yeah. So, what are your favorite aspects of these two episodes? Um. I love, I love that Mulder decides to jump on a moving train with his phone in his hand. Like, (laughs) this is the, one of the stupidest things Mulder has, like, ever done, ever. Is to, like, jump on a moving train and not think he would need both hands to brace himself. Like, he's lucky the phone (laughs) is the only thing that fell off of that train. Because, like, he could have just fallen off and fallen out of the, you know, cars and then it would have ruined the rest of the show. But, like, it makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to jump onto a train car, I'd, like, put everything in my pockets. I'd probably, like, put my hair up, and then I'd jump. <laughs> but Mulder, he's like, no, I can do it one-handed. It'll be fine. That's why he always loses his gun. He doesn't think about this stuff. Oh. Well, that's, that's why, why he has, he has an ankle holster. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he got tired. Tired of losing his gun. <laughs> but he doesn't carry a backup phone, so... Plus, even in I Want to Believe, his phone met, like, a dismal fate. So, in the comics, I know Mulder has an iPhone, so I wonder what type of phone Mulder will have in the revival. I can just see him with, like, a MUFON app where he, like, tracks, like, daily UFO sightings. And there's all sorts of, like, stuff on, like, Tumblr, like, text conversations between Mulder and Skelly and, like, things they would, you know. So, I'm sure, like, 
he appreciates the new technology that he can track UFOs with his phone. Or maybe he's afraid that his phone is tracking him. Yeah, that's true. But there's probably that's ways to get he, around. That. That's why he gets cozy with some right-wing uh, internet news anchor. Tad O'Malley. Tad O'Malley. <laughs> I, fe- I feel like it's probably like kind of a slight reference to like Bill O'Reilly. But <laughs> we'll find out. All I, can th- all I can think of is the Disney cartoon, The Aristocats. <laughs> I love that cartoon. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll find out what he's been up to. There's already been a bunch of information that has leaked whether or not it's true or not. You know, it's really hard to say. So it's just that January seems like very, very far away. And I don't know what I'm going to do until that time. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to contribute to this podcast because there you go. It, it is crazy how how quickly January is going to come when I uh, started breaking down the episodes that we have to go through and when we're actually going to be able to record each of them because we do Mm -hmm. two a week sometimes in order to take some weeks off and uh, it's crazy how quickly we're going to be ripping through stuff. We already have the calendar going up to fight the future Yeah. and we're going to do something very special for that episode. I'm not sure quite what we're going to do yet but we already have the date that we're going to be doing that so... Well, if you need a play-by-play on how Mulder and Scully left Antarctica, Jess and I are available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, but I think the final episode of the revival airs, like, I think it's February 22nd, which is, you know, the day before Scully's birthday. So I know that what it will seem like tomorrow, like, I'll be looking back and being like, when did this all happen? So I think it's just best to, like, enjoy it as you can, like, all the things that are leaking out and the speculation, like, are Mulder and Scully together? Are they apart? Like, what is Chris Carter doing to me? Like, I'm going to develop an ulcer. So it's it rem- reminds me of I Want to Believe. There's a lot of good times waiting for the movie, so. I can't yes. wait to do that whole, like, Cliff, I know it'll be like mini cliffhangers, but like the waiting each week, like I almost oh, like kind of sadistically want that again. Like I remember because back in the day, back back in my day, um, when like I was watching the X Files, um, like it was just you had to wait a week for some of that, and oh my! But the worst is, as people could probably remember, was season seven. Scully ending yeah. with "I'm pregnant," and then let's not show anything for like five months, and then the one month um, before Dead Alive premiered, um, there was like an entire month of February, or maybe it was March. They aired. They aired um, the Lone Gunman during that time, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was. But it. Oh my gosh! Just waiting. It was. It ended with "This is not happening," which was like the saddest thing ever. <laughs> And yeah, it's yeah. gonna be hard enough waiting from like the twenty fourth to the twenty fifth. Like, never mind the weeks <laughs> between. And then, and then, what are we gonna do when it ends? Like, start up the campaign for like. I'll have to do it all over again. Yeah, no, you, we yeah. Will, we'll have to start another campaign. You know, on January twenty fifth, that game is gonna go into overtime. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> Whatever doesn't matter. It's it's inevitable at this point. It is. It is going to go into massive overtime. No, I will physically go to that game and end it myself. (laughs) Justin's going to like streak onto the field to stop it. I will stop that. It's just going to add more time. It's just going to add more time. 
No, no, it won't. I'll, I'll, I'll have like flips for having technical difficulties. Cause no, no, they'll be like, we have no choice but to end this right now. Yeah. Crazy people can be very persuasive. I just like I can just imagine like sitting in well we'll be in Los Angeles. There's already like plans for like X Files watching parties, and I think Jessa, you and I have like accepted the same one <laughs> on Facebook. Yep. So I can just see us like sitting in someone's living room, flipping out, waiting for the game to end, just like screaming when like the announcers come back and like and now for the presentation of like this MVP award, and then like. Ugh, there's just gonna be so much tension when it finally happens. Yeah, I would be like, here's the presentation of my foot up your, you know, like, it would just be like. <laughs> It'll be like uh, one in the morning. And we will all yeah. be like hyped on caffeine and like out of our minds. And then we're just gonna be like sobbing from the point that like the screen goes black. It's, it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, we're gonna be like, what was me? Yeah. Like, oh man, it'll be. It'll anyway. be intense. Sure. Anyway. Anyway. Back to the episode. <laughs> the thing that I most like about... <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what I was going to say now. <laughs> uh, oh, I love how, like, whenever people need to get a hold of Mulder or, like, convince Mulder something, they, like, hand the phone to Scully. Yeah. Like in the episode, it's always just like Skelly, talk to Mulder. You need to tell him that so there's a pop on that train. Or like, you know, like X. It's like we, it's like we need Skelly. We need Skelly and Mulder. Like I don't know. Like it's just, I love how everyone's like, I was gonna convince Mulder. It's gonna be Skelly. And this is one of the few times we really get to see a lot of the first Elder. Um, so that's yeah. like a nice little glimpse. And he's like he's an underrated member of the syndicate, I feel. I, like I mean, obviously, I like like, there's... Um, his own voice. Yes. You know, there's Cigarette Smoking Man is, like, everyone's favorite. And I really... I miss Well Manicured Man. But I First Elder is pretty cool. These, This and is the I, only episode where he really gets you know, a chance to shine, really. Yeah. Yeah, he gets, like, A-line <laughs> in other episodes. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't trust, like, anything of what he conveyed... To Skelly, I think Mulder. I mean, usually it's that Mulder's like probably actually right, but you know, certainly he helped them, so we'll kind of forgive him for whatever lies he was telling a little bit. But he really rocks it. Did either of you play the have the X Files game? I was you hoping know? we were going to talk about this. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of. So obviously the answer is no. Yeah, no, I definitely did. I played I both. The um the one for the PC. Yes, that's then, the one I'm thinking of. Where yeah, they, it, there's like a lot of shots. I swear that um there's a whole sequence in that game where that you have to go onto some boat and it was just like in Nisei. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you're looking around the boat for some sort of clues and stuff. And I'm totally with you on that. No, I totally remember that game. That game was great. I still need to play all the X Files games except for the, the board game. I, that one. I remember in the PC game, I forget. I forgot to um, show Scully my stiletto, um, and she kept getting mad at me in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My and problem then, with that game was I saved it at the exact wrong moment. No, no. Before, before you're supposed to kill the guy at the end with the stiletto, 
and I'd mm-hmm. saved it at the uh, somehow I managed to save it at the precise wrong moment there. So whenever I could go in and play the game, it was already too late, and I'd done something wrong. Oh, I hate that. So that really bugged me. But uh, yeah, that was an awesome game. And then there's a, the Resist or Serve game that came out a I few years after that. Me. I love that game so much. I, I, I was I was, I was terrible. I was terrible at that. <laughs> you could play as Mulder or Scully, and the best part was like Mulder did a lot of action stuff, but Scully got to do two autopsies. And my all-time favorite part was if you didn't put on your gloves and goggles, you would get sick and die. That is teaching people you need your proper protective equipment on. And if you don't wear your gloves and goggles, you're going to get contaminated. All I can remember is there was one bit where there's some dogs attacking people and I was just running into a corner and I couldn't get out. (laughs) I remember that and then Mulder came out of nowhere and shot them for me. (laughs) Swoon. Um, But no, I love that game so much. Um, I thought it was amazing. I like, I remember like hanging out in Mulder's apartment in that game because the amount of detail that went into his apartment in the game. And then I remember, like, thinking, like, I should decorate my living room like this. I was like, I wonder if I can get this couch. You know, like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Although in Milagro, it's totally green, which goes against everything. Yeah. Believe it. But but I want to believe it's black leather couch. Yeah. Um, But no, to be honest, um,. I'm really hoping they come out with a game for the revival. I would die if they came out with a this gen, um, oh like, a, like PlayStation a PlayStation Four game. One. Yeah, it. I would, and then I would hope that like they would call on me to review it. <laughs> I'm sure we could like harass them with emails until they let you do that. So. Like. Everyone would be like, you know, like, Jessica, come hang out with us. And they'd be like, no, I gotta, I gotta work. Which is basically <laughs> playing an X-Files video game. I don't know how much better I can get. <laughs> so. That'd be pretty awesome. I would I really, like that. I mean, I'm sure they'll release, like, trading cards and... But, oh, you know, I would like a proper video game. That'd be pretty cool. Let's yeah, get a Lego set as well while we're at it. Yes. If they're doing Doctor <laughs> Who, they can do X-Files. Yeah, Me. that would be really cool. You know what? The three of us should go into marketing for them. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. We're doing their job for them here. Legos is a great idea. Oh my gosh. I don't like pew pew. Someone like put together like a fake X Files set. Like they, you know, manipulated it and it looks so cool. It's on the internet. You should Google it. But um yeah, that would be awesome. I can just like see myself like playing on the floor. <laughs> throw back to, you know, when you accidentally step on the Legos and it's like the most horrendous pain you've ever had. <laughs> so, you were talking about the X-Files the board game, is that the new game? That's um, out? Yeah. Or is that the one with the, the old VHS no, questions? No, no, no. There's a new one, um, IDW Games, which is like an offshoot of IDW Publishing, who are doing the season 10, now season 11 comics. Um, okay. They put out, so far it covers like seasons 1 through 3. Uh, and basically, it's um, a tabletop game. So 
what happens is it's like a group of people against like one other person. So it's the agents versus the syndicate. And there's up to four agents. You can play as Mulder, Scully, Skinner, Krychek. And they all have different, like, strengths. Like, Skelly is really good in science. Mulder's really good with, like, paranormal. Skinner's good with politics. And I think Crytek... And metaphors. Yeah, and metaphors. And I think uh, Crytek is good with, like, brute force. And basically, there's, like, agent cards you can play to help solve an X-Files case that's on this map of the United States. And it's actually, it's really beautiful artwork, too. The map they created has lots of awesome, like little nods to x y and z you know it's really cool you should take a look at it um and so depending on how many people are playing there's a different number of open cases and during your turn you get the chance to like move to a new case and you can play agent cards so if scully's gonna play a card and she has like a paranormal card she could switch with Mulder for like a science card because when she plays a card that's in her strengths it doesn't cost her anything to play it. So, like, you know, it costs you to do different things, and then you try and earn um, evidence tokens when you solve the case in exchange for you turn those in to get pieces of Mulder's I Want to Believe puzzle. And that you, as a team, work together to put that puzzle together while the syndicate is actively trying to, like, take away evidence and hide it so that you physically don't have enough evidence tokens to put the puzzle together. So... There's like 18 pages of instructions. I read through all. Of them. <laughs> it was. It took me like an hour. I probably, all in. Yeah. I, if you do, you you need to take some time to go through it because there's so many like little offshoots to. And what I just told you was like a lot, but there's so many little offshoots to that. Um, and it, it's a lot of fun when you have like a big group of people. You can play it with two people people like one person plays the syndicate and the other plays like two agents so i played it with someone who played like Mulder and scully um but honestly it's more fun with like a larger group of people um and there's some really nice artwork and it it can last for you know anywhere from like i think one game took us like an hour it can go like longer than that if you have more people so it is it's fun but you just need to read the directions very thoroughly (laughs) We should play it, but we should play it during the NFC Championship while we're in yes. the <laughs> We're our own game. Yeah. Because I'm just going to uh, go on and talk about episode 731, which is directed by Rob Oman. Yes. And yes. it is awesomely directed. Oh, my it God. Is so beautiful. One of my. So, it, yes. It, it's one of my very favorite mythology episodes and rumor has it that this is the episode that uh, Chris Carter looked at and said yeah Rob Oman gets the movie job I can understand why yeah. it is that whole I think Roy and I were just talking about it beforehand um, the shot in the woods you know with, oh, yeah. with the helicopter and yep. Scully walking across was just it's so I mean, it was it was gorgeous it does look at points that she's waiting for the light to be behind her before she yeah. runs out from the trees. I didn't know she, She's not doing a great job of getting away from the helicopter, but it looks stunning. It does. Yeah, it, yeah. I thought that too. I was like, this looks so good, but it's like she's trying to walk towards the light. I feel like at that point, it was like three in the morning, and they're like, Jillian, Jillian, you're not hitting the light right. So she's like, just screw it. I'm just going to walk in the middle of it. It'll be fine. <laughs> But no, that was 
I can't imagine how many times I had to do it, but uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite, like, shots from the series, like, on a whole. Um, yeah. Like, Sally running through the, like, yeah, I think it's really, like, it kind of encompasses everything, like, the X-Files is, like, forest late at night, and, like, bright lights, and, like, running in the woods, and it's, it's just a very amazing, classic X-Files shot, so, Rob Bowman, if you're out there, bored, listening to this podcast, we love you. <laughs> Yeah, just oh, he's he's a phenomenal director, and um, and I was just thinking also about I know I'm jumping ahead, but like the field where I died, he does a really good job with like I guess like pan not necessarily pan shots, but you know like where you're looking and you're seeing it's like he grasps the whole picture. And yeah. it's like he tells a story. I don't know how else end up sound really corny trying to explain this. <laughs> like, um, but he like tells the whole story with just like a directorial shot. And I don't know. He just has this gift that I just love, and I think really translates well onto the screen. There's so. a there's a quite a few awesome shots in this episode where there's the the, the train uncoupling from the box car. Mm. And the camera is on the bottom of the train carriage. Mm -hmm. And so as they uncouple, the train moves away and you just... The camera is moving with the train away from the boxcars. It's just left there. Yeah. And it's kind of like on a on a Dutch angle there. And that's a really cool shot. And of course you have the whole explosion at the end. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which, what is it? They used like nine cameras and he killed one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, that think shot. Two, I think two cameras yeah, during I, I, Yep. Oh, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I don't know if they were both during that sequence, but <laughs> I'm sure Fox really enjoyed that bill. <laughs> but it was worth it. It came out amazing. So beautiful. Let's talk a little bit of science, because I have a feeling that you have some science to drop here. <laughs> Jessa, do you want to start with Hansen's disease or the hemorrhagic fever? There we go. Fever? There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, I can talk about hemorrhagic fever. Um, I'm not an expert on leprosy, but it's uh, transmitted. Uh, it's a bacterial disease. <laughs> I'm not an expert. However, back in the... You know, right. <laughs> it's, you know, hemorrhagic fever, Jessica will tell you about viruses, but leprosy is bacterial-based, and obviously they talk about how, you know, it's something that can be treated now, which, you know, we all know because there aren't leper colonies around anymore. Um, but it's easily transmittable through, like, you know, sneezing, coughing, things like that. Um... You can breathe it in, you know, I think you get it through, I don't know, a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, it just creates, like, horrible disfigurement. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the guy we meet um, at the Hansen's facility, you know, who knows, you know, to what level he was experimented on, or if he was just a leper, if he had other things going on, but um, you don't want to get Hansen's disease. <laughs> but... In this day and age, you can rest assured that you'll probably be okay. So, Jessa, on to you. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, go on and talk about hemorrhagic fever, which is um, what the patient um, in the train car had. Sorry, or, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I was gonna say sorry. Allegedly, the first elder told Scully. And that um, she said that if it, you know something happened, that thousands could die. And um, 
a good way to put this in perspective is to look at um, that the hemorrhagic fever um, is caused, as Roy said, by viruses, and um, I mean, it can, it can just be devastating where um, basically it's a bleeding disorder <laughs> where um, it's caused by, you know, you have high fever, you go into shock, a lot of times you die, um, and then, you, of course, Ebola is an example. So you bleed out of your orifices, which is just a fancy way of saying holes. <laughs> and um, it's incredibly contagious and can spread. And yeah. Um, and Mulder was ready to like sacrifice his life in case it was that, which right. I thought was pretty great. Moment. Scully, Scully knows immediately that's what he's done. Um, as soon as he hangs up, he know she knows that that's the route he's taken, which I thought was like a nice little insight into the partnership. You know, hemorrhagic fever really brings out the best in people. So. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Sounds like it brings out everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. The thing about, you know, like, why a lot of the viruses are so deadly is that they're not really a cure. And, um, for example, like the Marburg virus, which is uh, a relative, if you will, to the Ebola virus, that is airborne. And so... I mean, yeah, we're so lucky that, that Ebola is like an amalgamation of Ebola and Marburg. I mean, you would have devastation. Anyway, <laughs> well, is there anything else um, about either of these two episodes that you guys wanted to touch on? Um, the red-haired man isn't that much of a redhead. I really don't understand. Yeah. And then um, I thought it was interesting that X really risked his life for Mulder on this one. I mean, like, holy moly. Yeah. Like, X really, really went above and beyond. So. Yeah. He's just a softie at heart. <laughs> yeah. We all know that. Yeah, just... I was thinking before, is there some sort of... Does does X have his own sort of agenda? I mean, obviously he does because he's informing Mulder. But does he have his own sort of agenda? Because we see him pop up in some other episodes that aren't really mythology ones. And then he yeah. comes in here and he rescues Mulder. But... Uh, maybe there's a lot more that you could read into it, but you know he's obviously there with the mission of saving the hybrid. Yeah, and, and then he realized there. he couldn't, so he saves Mulder instead. Right? Yeah, and I think that you know there must be other people that we don't meet or that we don't know have these sympathies towards Mulder and his cause. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I get the impression from just this one episode that you know he goes there trying to save the alien. With a hybrid, and you know, he—I think he realizes that well, if Mulder dies, that that his cause, you know, Mulder does become a martyr or whatever, yeah. and so it's more important in the grand scheme of things to save Mulder at this point than to save this hybrid. Plus, I'm not sure he could have gotten the hybrid out in time. He only had like 30 seconds, I think, by the time he like gets there. Um, yeah. and the door was locked you know he could have like maybe found something to try and break it open but he would have been way too close to the explosion like it would have killed him so um, I think he just gets there a little too late so you never know exactly I mean I think it would be really interesting to like really do an in deep in like an in-depth analysis of him and like put everything together and take a look at the big picture but I've never done it so I'm not sure I feel like qualified to 
guess on his motives or what else is going on, but... Suffice to say that X is a badass and he's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's pretty cool. <laughs> Although I love when he fights Skinner because like Skinner like destroyed him. It was beautiful. <laughs> but um, that was that was last time, so <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Alright, so it's quiz time and I'm just gonna reiterate something that I put out to the listeners in the last episode is if anybody wants to come up with a jingle for the quiz section going forward please please do and please please send it to me um, on Facebook and Twitter David T. Howard or just go to X-Files talk xfiles.com thank you very much okay so we have five questions uh, between you both tonight and just uh, jump in whoever wants to answer them can go ahead and do so can we discuss and then have like a final answer <laughs> yeah absolutely okay I'd like right. to ask the audience I'd like to phone a friend all right, so question number one is the inevitable question. What is the number on the top of the boxcar? Okay. Ooh, this is so a trick changes, question. It changes. Yes. It is it... initially 82594, uh, which I think was the date of Chris Carter's directing debut. For Dwayne Bay. Yeah, but then it changes the one you see through the end of you know the first episode into the second it changes to 82517 which i take as like the real number yes. yeah 82517 is what i had written down and maybe that first number it's a different box card that's the one that's in his video we're not sure and then 82517 is the one where mold rusty gets locked into it so there's more than one out there there's a whole secret railroad of them yes yes <laughs> All right, question two. What was the name of the video company that Mulder bought his alien autopsy video from? Got this. Um, this is definitely Rat Tail Productions. It is. Yeah. No association with Alex Krychek. Nope. Mm -hmm. Steven Zinzer. Produced by C Steven Zinzer, who's now dead. Rest Member of MUFON. Yeah. Okay, question three. What was the name of the boat that Mulder tracked to the naval yard? Oh, well, that's easy. That's the Talapus. Yep. It first was a salvo ship outside of San Diego, but then instead of returning back to San Diego, it cut through the Panama Canal to Newport News, Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> we're just three questions in, and I'm looking at what I have here, and I'm just like, man, these questions are so easy. <laughs> Tiffany and Holly got the hard ones last time around. <laughs> Oh well. Oh my god. Well, you know that means next time he's gonna. Yeah, you're gonna have to sing it yeah. next time. The thing is, it's two episodes. Yeah, there's. So <laughs> I'm limited. Completely understand. No, yeah. Okay. Oh my god, you're gonna get these ones so easy. Question four. What was the tagline changed to in the opening credits for 731? Apology okay. is policy. I want. Yes. Okay. Question five. What is the name of the actor who plays the first elder? Oh, I totally I know, know this. I know this, I know this, I know this. Hold on. Oh my gosh. Hold on. No, we definitely know this. We were, like, talking about the first elder before. Um, William, hold on. Don, Don, Don S. Williams. Yes, Don S. Williams. There we there go. Yeah. If in doubt with the X-Files 
just throw Gosh. William in. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, I was like, oh, I guess you remember. I'm pretty sure you got all of those in record time. So well done. So Obvi obviously, I need to step up my game with my questions. Only with us. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Um, please tune in again next week. I think. Uh, Ryan, Jesse, you're back uh, next week, and we're going to do Revelations through Apocrypha. Yes. And that is going to be our 10th episode of the podcast. Nice. In the meantime, listeners, uh, please check out xfilesnews.com for all the latest on the upcoming revival. Please go to xfilesalkxfiles.com, click on that Amazon link, and uh, leave some comments in the show notes. Let us know um, what you think of the show so far. You can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm David T. Harwood. Uh, Jessa Roy, do you want to give your uh, social media stuff out? Um, I'm like at Boston3346 on a lot of websites. I don't <laughs> even remember some of the websites I have. So on Twitter, that's like a good place to follow me. Um, I am at Jessa Schlitz. So that's J-E-S-S-A-S-C-H-L-I-T-T. -S 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 and... That's my name, so that's pretty much that's appropriate. social media sites as well. So, All right, well, great. Thank you, both of you, very, very much for uh, being part of the show tonight. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. It was so much fun. <laughs> it always is fun with you two. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much to everybody for listening to this podcast. And until next time, keep up the good work yourself.